This is episode number 76 with paranormal investigator Katrina Weidman. Welcome to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. My name is Ryan McGuire, your host. Each week I bring you a guest or a message that will help you along your own pursuit of happiness as well as following me along my own. Now as a podcast host, I think I'm not supposed to have a favorite, but let's just say this episode is up there with the best of them. This is one of my most memorable and fun and interesting conversations I've ever had. So Katrina Weidman, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I've been a fan of Katrina from afar for over a decade now since I first saw her on Paranormal State. She was also featured on Paranormal Lockdown and she is currently the co-host with Jack Osborne of Portals to Hell on the Travel Channel and Discovery+. Plus. Now, how interesting does this conversation sound already? And I promise you, it gets even better as we start from the beginning of how she got into paranormal investigating. We go all the way back to her childhood and seeing activity in not one, but two houses that she grew up in. So it goes without saying, her childhood affected her curiosity of the unknown and spiritual world, which is how she got into paranormal investigating. Now, one of the things I like most about Katrina is how she treats investigating as a job and a way to help people get answers. She's not just looking for the craziest and scariest evidence that she can find for TV. She's really trying to help people in their lives. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask her about some of her best evidence that she's ever captured, some of her scariest moments that she can remember, and which locations remain on her wish list. We cover all of that and so much more. Now I know you've heard me ramble long enough, so it's time to get to the good stuff. Without further ado, here is Katrina Weidman. Hi. Katrina. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well, how are you? Good, good. Ready this to is, do this. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm, I'm geeking out a little bit over here. Oh, yeah? I, I actually am. I, I've been, uh, <laughs> I've seen you for years on television, yeah. as many of us have. Um, I cannot wait to get your story. I cannot wait to hear some more of your crazy stories that we just don't even know behind the scenes, yeah. all that good stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm digging your hair today too. I've never Thanks. seen it like that. Yeah, I decided to get bangs. A big, a big woman, a big moment in a woman's life, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm digging it. It looks good. Yeah. Thanks. It yeah. looks really Needed good. Needed a change. Well, so first and foremost, how you doing today? I'm good. I am good. I'm trying to think. I'm just waiting for the, uh, I live outside of Philadelphia and it is the end of April and um, mother nature has been messing with us because we'll get like a really sunny, beautiful day Mm -hmm. and then it will be gray for like a week and just, you know. Did you have snow (laughs) last week in, uh, in April? No, you didn't. No, where are you based out of? Well, oh, North I, Carolina, right? I'm in North Carolina, but yeah, my whole family's upstate New York, and they got like eight to ten inches. They lost power for a few days. Oh it was my just god! Like, it was crazy. It's like this is exactly why I don't live there anymore. <laughs> exactly. I, I love North Carolina. I actually almost, um, I almost transferred there as a college student. 
to, to UNC? Yeah, UNC Wilmington. Oh, Wilmington. Yeah, uh-huh. that's, a, that's a great area, great place, great school, all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they told me not to, though. <laughs> so that's, that was the reason <laughs> I, uh, the administrative team at UNC. So I went, it was really weird. I went there on, um, we decided to like check it out during spring break because it was also like, you know, it's a beach town and like a little mm-hmm. college town. And so we're like, we'll go there. And um, we had set up a meeting with the administrative person, I don't know. And they were like, well, what are you looking to do? And my majors, I have two, are in music and then theater. Mm. And at the time, there were all those like WB shows filming down in Wilmington. So, you know, I thought, especially for the theater side, it'd be great. And (laughs) the administrative person looked at me and she's like, where are you going now? And I said, Penn State. And then she she took a a moment and she was like, why would you come here? (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I guess I won't. I guess I'll just stay at Penn State. Um, But funny enough, if I had a recruiter, what in the world? (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was odd, too. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. how, you know, they're telling the truth, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're recruiting. They tell you don't come here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I'm starting to get a slight tan here a little bit being outside nice. in the sun. It's getting warm. It's already feeling like summer though. It's only April. Um, definitely, definitely digging it. Yeah. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, you are outside the Philly area and that's exactly where you grew up too, right? Yeah, about. Um, I'm not in the town I, I was. I grew up in, but um, in like the in like a similar area, you know. Okay. Okay. Yep. Definitely familiar with the North Sea. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So we have to dig into a lot of this okay, here. Let's I, do am, it. I am super excited. So Katrina, we all know you from the Travel Channel. Um, now Portals to Hell, a TV show that you co-host with Jack Osborne. But uh, you started uh, at Penn State uh, with PRS, right? But I want to go to even before that. And how in the world did you get into the paranormal and being a paranormal investigator? I want to hear your story on this. Yeah. So it started um, when I was really young. We lived in a house that had activity. And Um, so my first memory of anything strange, I didn't see anything. It was my sister's experience, but it involved me. So she saw essentially what happened was she saw a copy of me upstairs in my room. But when she walked down the stairs, I was sitting at the bottom of the steps. Wow. So she, it was a thing of, she looked through the banister, saw me sitting on my bed, continued to walk down the stairs. And then I was sitting there at the bottom of the stairs. And I remember I was playing with um, a Winnie the Pooh puzzle. (laughs) And she, we did this whole thing of like, she was like, how did you do that? And I was like, do what? She's like, get by me without me knowing. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, um, you know, so there was always this sense in that house that, um, Something wasn't right. I don't know how to explain. I was very young, but I just knew what I felt, you know? And uh, so even though I had my own bedroom, I never slept in there alone. I mean, it was like a once in a while, like a handful type of thing. Um, I would cry if they left me upstairs alone, cry if they left me in my bedroom alone. Um, My sister had experiences. She also used to see a man walk down the hallway. My aunt bought the house or she moved into the house after we left. And she had a lot of experiences. The family after her had experiences and actually contacted my mom to ask her about it. Um, And they found my mom through our old neighbor. 
Um, so it definitely had a history of it. The current owner has not had experiences, but she, um, she runs some kind of business and every now and again, she'll let a client stay over in an extra bedroom. And he had, uh, the same experience my sister had with the man. Wow. And so that was, I believe his experience was probably, I want to say like early two thousands. Um, and, uh, my sister, I mean, I don't know, you know, my sister was young when she had those experiences. So they were probably like about 15 years apart, 10, 15 years apart. Okay. Um, and obviously this guy didn't know about us. I don't really think this, this woman, when I talked to her, she didn't give a whole lot of, um, acknowledgement to the paranormal. So I don't, I think if she even heard the stories from maybe our old neighbor, I don't really think she gave a lot of weight to them. Okay. So I would doubt that she would be like telling her, you know, her client, her business client, like, oh, by the way, you know, um, the next house we moved into also had experiences. And it's funny, I think on my Wikipedia page, which is like four sentences (laughs) (laughs) on my Wikipedia page, it says something like, uh, it was like a lot of turmoil or was it, it, the way it reads, it's like something really bad happened to us, but that's not the case. It was never anything bad. It was just experiences like footsteps that you couldn't explain. Um, my mom was touched on her shoulder one time at the house and there was nobody there you know um shadow figures those came much later um in my my mom still owns the house and that that came much much later we had for a while what we i mean for years it stopped recently but um what we called the refrigerator ghost where you would i kind of named it that i don't know if anybody else actually calls it that (laughs) but um you would hear somebody come in the back door and my mom keeps wind chimes on her door so you always heard it and you hear somebody walk into the kitchen, open the refrigerator, close the refrigerator, then walk into the dining room and stop. And at that point, you'd be like, who is here? You know, because from every room of the house, you can see the dining room, you know. And um, so you like peek out into the dining room. No one's there. You peek out into the kitchen. No one's there. You look into the driveway. No car is there. Doors are locked. And pretty much as far as I know, all of us have experienced this, including other visitors to the house. And when my mom got a new fridge, it stopped. Wow. So, I don't, a haunted fridge, apparently. Um, and uh, so all of this to say that it just really instilled in me this thought of, you know, what is this? You know, and my, my dad is very scientific, very grounded. He went to school for science, um, comes from a very religious background, although he is not that way. And uh, my mom, I think more spiritual and definitely a believer, had her own experiences. Her family had their own experiences. So we got this weird balance of like, it's not real, but then it is real. Mm -hmm. And like, they never told, my parents never told us either way, like that's all bullshit or yes, it's completely real. Like they just sort of took a middle ground with us, you know, and just my dad was pretty silent, but my mom would share her stories and that's kind of where it landed with us. And I don't think I felt satisfied with that mm-hmm. because I knew I had experiences. And um, so I was like the weird kid who, you know, you come over for my birthday party, I break out the Ouija board and like, I tell you ghost stories in my really creepy looking house. <laughs> and uh, I bought all the ghost books at the book fair and, you know, read all that stuff. We would, me and my sister would watch all those programs on TV, like Unsolved Mysteries and mm. 
Um, yeah, I know. That's it's like the gateway drug of paranormal <laughs> unsolved mysteries. That yeah, used and, to freak me out as a kid. I used to watch yes. it occasionally, but like I can't watch. It. I would never sleep for like a day or two. You know what? I just like during the pandemic, I re I re watched old episodes, and just that music still sends <laughs> shivers up my spine. It's so creepy. <laughs> And um, so it became this thing of, you know, I was like into it, doing it, but I didn't really know what I was doing, you know, like as a teenager or anything. And um, so when I went to school, my aunt, who has had a lot of experiences and is very into this stuff, she suggested she was like, well, you know what, maybe Penn State has a club you can join because th this was the time when it was like just booming. And so you, it wouldn't be so far fetched to find something like that. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, Penn State had a club and I signed up for that club and I went to one meeting and then dropped out because there was there was like all this stuff going on at school. And I just I was like, you know, what? I just need to focus on academics. I'll come back. And so I came back later and I joined. They had like a investigator training class that you could take. So I signed up for that. And then um, as part of the club and at the same time, they were moving forward with getting Paranormal State off the ground. So they had like air quotes auditions and they're not like a scripted audition where like, here's a script, read for us. It was just, you know, I was put in front of a camera with the other cast members sitting there asking me questions and then a couple producers like asking me questions. And it was just sort of a thing of how are you on camera? Mm -hmm. Are you like a good speaker? Can you communicate your thoughts? Um, are you a liability to us? <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> um, and then they just kept calling me back, and I ended up on the show. And then it just snowballed from there. Wow. Okay. So let's pick up there in a moment, but I want to go yeah. back. So it seems like your family has had a lot of experiences and I can only kind of compare it to my family that I don't think is of any. So it's like, do you feel that your family has moved into locations that just happen to be haunted or do you feel your family perhaps as some kind of maybe attachment or I don't know of another word to use yeah. for that, but do you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I just think they were houses that had something happen because if we look at the first house, it wasn't just our family. It was, you know, uh, my aunt who lived in there after us, the family after us. And I, I believe there was another family for a while. It was a rental. Um, so I believe there was like another family in there. And then the current owner who, uh, her client experienced that. So I, I think that suggests that it's the house. Okay. Um, and our neighbor also, I found out later, our neighbor also had experiences and their property aligned with ours, like okay. our backyards met up. And um, the current house though, the one that we moved into afterwards, I don't, I, again, I just sort of think it's an, it's an old house. It's, you know, where we grew up, there was a lot of um, Lenape as well, you know, so I, I think this is probably a lot of history to to the area and you know a lot of different families came through there okay and i imagine when you moved as a kid you're probably like yes i can catch a break i can sleep in my own room now and then go figure do you move to another haunted place were you just like god damn are you serious yeah i know i always joke with my parents that they're like terrible at picking houses <laughs> exactly yeah i would never yeah. do you have to disclose that now when you buy a house i heard like a rumor that you have to disclose if it's haunted i don't know if that's yeah, true i think enough. there's like one or two states that make you do it um but yeah it's a funny thing i mean i would want to know 
I, I would. <laughs> Hell yeah, I would. Yeah. If, if I start seeing things flying off my shelves, I'd be like, I am out. I am out of here. <laughs> um, do you feel that, um, you know, you being a kid and, and doing what you do, do you feel like kids are a little bit more sensitive and uh, open-minded to, to the paranormal? Yeah, I think it seems to be that way. That's the pattern we see. And, you know, when we're thinking about children, they're just absorbing everything around them. They don't know to filter things out yet, Mm -hmm. you know, and when it comes to any kind of experience or being sensitive to experiences, I think two things happen. I, I liken it to when you move into a city or a new house and you notice all these like street noises and, oh, the refrigerator is humming. And, you know, maybe you hear a dog next door barking. Eventually you habituate it Mm. because you have to right? Because you have to exist in that space and Mm. anything that's distracting or unnerving or uncomfortable, you just learn over time to kind of um, mute it. And so I think that's one of the things that happens. Um, The other thing that happens, I think, is that, you know, we're constantly taught these things aren't real. So if a kid is having experience, I think our instinct is to want to protect them. And one of the ways to do that is, hey, it's not there. You know, you're fine. Don't worry about it. it doesn't exist it's your imagination and i think that also kind of leads into you know if children do have um any kind of extra sense that they lose along the way i, w- I would assume that would be a contributing factor okay that all makes a lot of sense yeah so would you say that kind of maybe all around us there's paranormal things just happening we just kind of have toned it toned it out to being like this just normal part of life we don't even see it anymore yeah, I think I think there could be an argument for that, for sure. Um, I mean, with that question, then we have to define what is the paranormal and what does that mean? And, you know, and that's a loaded question in and of itself. Um, but, yeah, I do think if there if there really is any kind of supernatural thing that exists, then I think I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, we become really good at distracting ourselves from it. Mm -hmm. over time and not paying Mm -hmm. attention and not knowing. But there's also a thing I think where, um, like for example, my husband wears glasses, I don't. And he's been that way since he was a kid. So his eyesight isn't, you know, just naturally, that sense wasn't turned up all the way it needed to be where mine was. Mm -hmm. And I think we can kind of look at a sixth sense in the same way where some people are just dialed up a little bit more than the average person. Um, and, you know, whether we're talking about that with supernatural stuff or just instinct alone, um, I think I think everyone can relate to instinct, just like mm-hmm. a feeling of when you meet somebody or you're in a place or, you know, maybe you don't feel safe and you don't know why. Kind of the same feeling, like some people are just tuned in a lot better and other people it takes practice. Yeah, for sure. I want to get into that uh, momentarily, but uh, I would love to kind of go back to your timeline here when you start talking mm. about paranormal state. And so yeah. whose idea was it to kind of get a TV show? Is, was Penn State one of like the only colleges that had a club like this? And so maybe it was a little easier to, for Penn State to pitch it? Yeah, I don't think I, at the time, no, I think there were other schools that did. I know we worked with another one and I think they were based in New York and um so there were definitely other clubs and at the time, you know, ghost hunters had come out. Mm. So I think it was 
that's kind of what my aunt was saying. Like, this is popular. I bet you could find a club to join, mm. you know? Um, and as far as the TV show goes, I've heard both sides of the story. So I've heard that the group was actively looking to get into television. But then I also heard that producers were seeking them out, which I'm sure it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. So what I, I actually had just found this out too, that it was more of a, um, the the one production company, there were two production companies on that show and the one had found the group and I don't know how they made a connection, whether it was like the group reaching out or she reached out to them or whatever it was, but she had found them. And then she was just like, I want to do a sizzle reel. They did a sizzle reel, uh, network loved it. So they ordered a pilot network, loved the pilot. And then it went into production. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, so at what point, <laughs> Did you think like, I'm not running away from this. I'm going to go towards this. Like, how did you have the courage to stick with this and just kind of dive deeper into that where most people probably including myself would run <laughs> away and be like, I ain't dealing with this stuff. Cause I, we've, we've seen some of the episodes. I've seen all of them. Some of them are pretty freaking intense. Granted, maybe TV dramatizes it. I'll let you touch on that. Yeah. But some of them seem really intense. How did you have the courage to run towards this? I don't know that I ever thought about it in that way. I think I think for me, it was two things. When I started out, we worked predominantly with clients. And so for me, it was about putting the focus on them, not myself. Mm -hmm. Like, right, we were there to help them. We were there to advocate for them. Um, whether it ended up being supernatural or not, they believed it was supernatural. So, you know, we needed to kind of guide them through that process. And um, the other part of it is I'm extremely, extremely stubborn. So <laughs> I don't like to, I don't like to start something and stop something, which has been, uh, it's, that also works as a detriment though in life, because sometimes you end up sticking around people, places, things, whatever <laughs> that you shouldn't. Um, but you know, I think it's definitely just a stubbornness on my side of like, you know, I'm not going to let this best me. And a thought that I always have is like, you know, in a hundred years, we'll probably have maybe a lot of these different phenomena figured out. And I just think the majority of them probably won't be what we think they are. Mm. So I kind of put myself in like futuristic role of like, oh, how silly are those people? You know, they thought that was an evil spirit when actually we know now that it's this. Um, so I think it's just a thing of, you know, my fears come from what I think it could be. Mm. And it's always checking myself of, is that my fear? Is that my perception? Or is that the reality of the situation? And the majority of the time I find it's just my perception that I'm scared of. Was there ever a moment when you first started Paranormal State where it wasn't just your perception? You're like, okay, this is legit and this is kind of crazy. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think even if it is legit, meaning we can't find a natural explanation for something, meaning that even like going through that, okay, it's not environmental. It's not neurological. It's not psychological. It's not this. It's not that. We really have no explanation for what's happening. Even in those moments, it's still my perception mm. of what it could be, you know? So even in the scariest of cases where like your instinct really takes over and everything in your body is telling you not to be there, not to go forward, not to continue investigating. It's still a thing I do of like checking myself of 
like, what's the worst that's going to happen to me? You know, because I mean, like, yes, there have been like physical altercations with experiences. I've had one, but you know, we assume it's aggressive and maybe it is aggressive, but maybe it's not. Like I always go back to, we, since we can't quantify the true experiences in any real way just yet, you know, what are we, what are we afraid of at that point? It's perception. Afraid of the unknown. You are mentally strong. Um, (laughs) I don't say that lightly. I mean, I'm watching these shows. It's funny because I live with my fiance, Chris, and we watch all of your shows and other paranormal shows. Is it like, how much would you would you charge to sit there and do that? Could you do that tonight? Could you do that for an hour? And the answer is no. It's always no. I, I just, I mean, even just if nothing happens, sitting there in the dark in an abandoned place yeah. is beyond freaky, let alone hear, yes. start hearing tapping, taps, noises, voices, oh, yeah. all that stuff. I, 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 I just can't imagine. Um, you said physical altercations. Was that during uh, paranormal state? Was that a different? Uh, is uh, when I was working on lockdown um i got scratched on my on my lower abdominum and it was two scratches and it wasn't i actually you'll see i don't know if you can see i i do get chronic hives that started in 2020 which is super fun um (laughs) but it wasn't like hives like welts it was like literally like a cat had scratched me you know when when you get scratched by that and like they're bleeding a little bit Mm -hmm. it was like that and what's interesting is that the area where i was multiple people have had that same experience. So, I mean, before we came, we heard about people having that experience in that same area. And, um, you know, I, I never, to my knowledge, I had never been scratched before. There was one time when I was working in Gettysburg off camera where I came out of an investigation with scratches on my neck and people pointed it out to me, but I, I don't, I never felt that in the moment, mm. you know, they were very odd scratches cause they were like crisscrossed. And I don't know how that would have happened, but, um, this, I felt happening to me as they were happening and mm -hmm. no, keep going. Oh, just that, you know, that's just a very weird occurrence. I don't know what causes that. Like, I don't know anything that causes just scratches to like, as you feel them happening, show up. So when you go to a location, knowing that there are physical scratches and other things, like, is it like, yes, like do it to me. I want to see this, prove it. (laughs) No, no. I think it was, it's, I guess, you know, I kind of put my beliefs in a couple boxes when I work. So there's the belief system I grew up with. Right. And I, I always put that in a little box and that, you know, we were raised Christian uh, with some sort of foundation. We weren't like, super religious family by any means. Like we only went to church, like maybe on Easter. Um, but, um, you know, if I'm looking at my upbringing and the Catholic church, the Catholic church says that's something negative, that's something demonic, that's something evil. So I got to put that in a box, right? Cause that's a perception thing. Um, then I have my personal beliefs that I've adopted just as a grown up, you know, and then I have, the objective beliefs I've gained from doing this work. So they all kind of like live in these boxes when I'm working. And so when somebody says, you know, there's, oh, this person has gotten scratched or like five people have gotten scratched here. It's, I go into that objective space of like, okay, well, I know there's religions. I know there's cultures. I know what they would say about this stuff. You know, does it scare me? There's part of it that scares me because again, I have that upbringing. 
Mm. you know? Um, but I know where that comes from. I know where that fear comes from for me. Um, and so it's more about like, set, like, I, I think it's more that we're investigating the stories at this point, because I'm not really, I think one of the misconceptions about a lot of these shows, and I don't want to speak for every show. I can only speak for the ones that I've been on, but, um, you know, I'm not out to prove or disprove. I think when I started, that was probably my mission, but it was when I started, I, I kind of came into the field the way a lot of people come into the field of a ghost is someone who died and this is what it means. They have unfinished business and blah, blah, blah. And when you get into the field, you just realize how much is going on in these stories. I mean, people's perceptions, people's attitudes, uh, people's upbringings, um, how much of it can be explained away, how many times you can find a natural explanation. And so it really kind of shifts your perspective. So my my goal when I go in, if, if there's a person that we can help, that's always goal number one. And then goal numbers two is to investigate the stories, investigate the claims. Can we document them? Can we figure them out? You know, it, it kind of goes into that place. So it lives in a very objective place for me. So um, it's it's just really kind of separating your your personal beliefs from, you know, being reaching that objectiveness. Yeah, it seems like you have your mind on straight. And like, I don't say that lightly because doing what you do, I feel like you have to to keep moving forward, to keep showing up at some of these places. But honestly, I feel like that's just a great mindset to have in life in general. You're very, very strong minded. Um, You're open minded as well. Um, Clearly stubborn, which uh, I am as well. So I I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me for you to keep showing up to place after place after place for you to have that kind of mindset. um, I think that's wonderful. That's that's just a great way to live life in general. So it is. I have to apply it to life, though. I'm not. I'm not great at applying it to life, but I'm great at doing it in my job. (laughs) Well, that's one way to go. You know, you got to pay the bills, right? Um, So I want to ask you, going back to Paranormal State, this is where you got connected with Michelle Belanger. Am I correct? Because Uh she has been on my episode, on my podcast for two episodes. They have both absolutely blown my mind. I would love to hear more about how you got connected with her. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about it today because I don't know how she got connected to the group. Um, I'm assuming it was just because of what she does and they probably reached out to her. They knew of her because she, she is an author. Um, but the first time I met Michelle, we used to do these conferences at Penn state for the club and there were these huge conferences Hmm. and, uh, we had Michelle out as a speaker one time. And I remember all I had heard about Michelle up until that point was, oh, she's a vampire. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I didn't even know that thing existed, you know? And um, so I was, and you meet Michelle. She's very well-spoken, very intelligent. Very intelligent. Yeah. And, you know, she's tall. And so I was, you know, little college kid here. And I was so intimidated by her because all I had heard was she's a vampire. And, you know, she's and then you meet her and she's like very intimidating, not on purpose, but just because she's like so impressive. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh, my God, like, who is this person? Um, so that was my first inter- introduction to Michelle. And then we started to bring her on cases because she is also a psychic. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I have to tell you, she is probably, I mean, if not the most impressive psychic, definitely in like my top three. 100%. I would, I would probably label her as probably one of the, the most impressive I've ever seen work. Are you still like mind blown every time you bring her to a case? She just walks yeah. through and does that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because she, the thing that's really interesting about Michelle is the details that she's able to get to wall colors, like the paint color of a wall, uh, the colors that someone is wearing on the shirt. And keep in mind, she's blindfolded when she does this work. Mm-hmm. And she'll double blindfold herself. So she can't like see at all. And, um, you know, when I knew Michelle was legit as a psychic, I can tell you the story. It was, it was on paranormal state. And we brought her onto a case where there was a murder that had happened a hundred years prior. And when you're trying to research and, you know, kind of back up rumors or see if there's anything from the past that could maybe explain a paranormal experience because how we, um, one of the things that happens in the supernatural world today, as far as ghost stories is we often tie them to tragedies and history. And it seems like there's a match. And I would say a a good amount of those cases, there does seem to be some connection. Um, but I I just want to reference that that doesn't mean that that's actually how it works. We don't know, Mm -hmm. but, um, on this one particular case, we were, I mean, for weeks we had been trying to research and find articles and the murder, if I'm remembering correctly, let me see. When were we there? It would have happened early 1900s, this okay. murder. And I mean, just going through articles a hundred years, you know, it, you're really lucky if you find everything. Not everything was reported. Not everything was reported the way that, um, you know, we would report today. The other thing, the other challenge we have is, you know, the online articles have gotten amazing, but you have to be really good at figuring out what to search for because, you know, some words when they get digitized, they're not spelled correctly in the search thing or they're, you know, it, or you're not thinking of the right terms to search. It's like early Google days, right? Like what, <laughs> what am I searching for here? And so our team had a lot of trouble finding articles on this. We found some articles, but we were still searching as we were at the location. And, you know, smaller towns, especially, they don't always keep those records. And a lot of times you'll run into, well, there was a fire, there was a flood, there was a break in, there was something. And so a lot of times these older records are just lost. Mm -hmm. And as Michelle is doing her walkthrough, she starts describing what the murderer did after he murdered the girl. And it was so weird as she's doing that, a team member found an article from that time and it described like exactly Mm. what Michelle was talking about. And, you know, for like anybody that would be like, well, producer must have known, they didn't know. They, because it took us weeks to find this article. Mm. Like we were still shifting through. I mean, it was so buried that, you know, it just, it, it really blew my mind. And that was like the first time I'm like, wow. Okay. I, this lady's like legit, legit. Yeah. When I talked to her, um, 
I was asking her, you know, how do you just appear on these shows? Do you just kind of fly in on a drop <laughs> of a dime and then you get sent home or what? So yeah. I think she, I think that is what she said, right? I mean, so you yeah. guys just kind of call her up and say, what are you doing tonight? Yeah. Or how, how, yeah, if that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely times we've done that with her. I mean, there's a lot of times where we kind of have the luxury of planning out a little bit better where we can be like, hey, you know, we want Michelle for this location. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be like, Michelle, are you available for this week? And can you come to this state? And that's usually as much as she knows. Oh, you know, God. maybe she'll know the city if it's a big city. If it's a smaller city, like uh, I'm trying to think with one of our psychics. I actually just talked to him the other week because he has a podcast. And he was like, yeah, remember when we did that that location in, in New Jersey? And I'm like, oh, we weren't in New Jersey, dude. I'm like, we were actually in New York. So he had no idea. Like we took him across borders because oh, we, wow. we made him okay. go to New Jersey. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. So we like, yeah, we like to trick people. Um, not trick them, but just, you know, make sure that the any kind of biases are we're, we're kind of covering our butts as, as much as we can, you know. Well, because I think we all kind of question legitimacy of what we're watching. So that's yeah, really good to hear totally. from, from both of you. And, yeah. I, and I know like, yeah, you have like Cindy Kaz on some of your mm-hmm. shows now, too. I imagine she's another brilliant psychic yes. as well that you've worked with. Yes. Yes. Cindy's great. And Cindy, Cindy's funny. Every psychic is different. And so mm-hmm. Michelle is like very uh, she'll really dig in like she's telling a story and she'll get all the details and Cindy gets like these flashes where she'll start talking about something. So she'll like, uh, there was one location where she was like, okay, no, I need to go upstairs. I have to go upstairs. I feel something. And then she'll like, stop. And she'll be like, wait, <laughs> and, like, you know, she's like, I just got a flash of something. What does this mean? I felt it. And she'll always kind of her and, uh, Sarah Lemos, um, they, I feel so bad because Jack and I put on such poker faces with them because we don't want to give anything away. Yeah, I noticed you know? that. That's great. Yeah, we don't want to lead them in any which way. Um, but I always feel bad because Cindy and Sarah, they're both like, will you guys like stop? <laughs> like, can you please stop making that uncomfortable face? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, do you ever use, I won't say use, but have you ever gotten anything personal? from from the psychics you work for? Like, do they ever talk to your family members or anything? Or is it only the, the locations where they go to? No, oh, I not that I recall. There, I mean, every now and again, Chip will do that. Yeah. But it's not like a family member thing. It's like, and he's funny. He'll be like, can I tell you something? <laughs> I'm like, what's up, like Chip? A- and he, yeah, he's like, I'm just getting something in a sweet little Southern voice. And um, so he'll, he'll tell me a, like a personal thing if he's feeling something for me, but I've never had anybody do a family member thing to me. Okay. Yeah. And Chip Coffee's obviously the other one who mm-hmm. is on Paranormal States. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I personally love watching a psychic walk through a location on these television shows. To me, it's like, damn, like, it's like, it is just crazy. It's cool what they can pick up on. Um, you know, it makes it from my conversation with you just now, I'm talking to Michelle seems pretty legitimate. Um, I love that Michelle is blindfolded. So it's just pretty insane. And, uh, I'm happy to interview any of your psychic friends if they ever want to be. Oh yeah. I'm sure they would love it. I'm sure they would love it. Yeah. Michelle, we actually just recently did. Um, so I'm doing, it's a, it, I don't call it a show. It's more like just an investigative journey. It's kind of the private cases that I would do any anyway called Travel the Dead. And I do that mm-hmm. with uh, my best friend, Heather, who mm-hmm. was on Paranormal mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. And we did remote viewing with Michelle. And it was like some of the most insane psychic work I've ever seen her do because wow. she's in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't tell her where we were. Mm-hmm. 
when we brought her in on a phone, she couldn't see. And um, she was sketching out places that we were. That's insane. It, that's going to be on the show. It's well on uh, for travel the dead on YouTube. Okay. It's on YouTube. Okay. Cause mm -hmm. I did see advertisements for that. And so that's, yeah. it's this week, right? Is that coming out? like? Yeah. This so the first part, so the thing is they're, they're kind of like they're shorter videos. So they're like 10 to 15 minutes. So okay. they'll locate like the first location we go to is white Hill mansion and it's an hour long, but we broke it up into, you know, shorter videos. So it'll be one video a week right now. Okay. Oh, that's and, really cool. Yeah. And, um, but Michelle does some really impressive work on that. That's amazing. Now, I want to say, going back to my first conversation with Michelle, we were talking about demons and stuff like mm. that. And I think she said on paranormal state. So I'm assuming that you were there. I could be wrong about there was a case in Rochester that never aired. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Uh, no. She said, I, I remember her saying Ryan was there. And yeah, she's, I think she said Rochester, New York. And she said there was something evil and wicked going on there. Um, and it, it, she's like, as far as I know, I don't think it ever made air. I remember her saying that. Oh, weird. No, I'm not aware of that because at least with my time on paranormal state, everything we did was aired because I okay. mean, quite frankly, like the budget wasn't there. Mm, to yeah. be able to go shoot an episode and then not air it, okay. you know? Um, so I'm not, I'm, I know we did, we did something in Syracuse and that's the only thing I can think of like in that area kind of that would make okay. sense rochester i don't remember a rochester case okay so maybe i got my wires crossed or something yeah. but I, see, remember, I remember her saying like there was something like hovering over the entire house the, the property and it was like oh. really really evil and she didn't want to mess with it so, oh yeah i know we we definitely had a couple episodes like uh, episodes slash investigations like that is there, that one I know. That's, is there one that kind of sticks out to you that kind of haunts you maybe a little bit to this day on paranormal state, mm -hmm. yeah, there was there was this one in New Jersey, and this one bothers me. And it, it was actually a case that came from a fellow investigator. His name is Dave Giuliano, um, really sweet guy, and he runs the Ghost Hunter Shop. And um, Dave's been like an investigator for oh gosh, I'm probably going to screw it up, but at least thirty years. Wow. And he had contacted us because it was a case of his. And one of the benefits with the show is that, you know, because there is a budget for a show, there is money that can be allocated to specialists to bring in equipment, um, you know, so we can fly in somebody like Michelle. Mm -hmm. We can't, you know, and so sometimes when you're when you're not attached to a show, it's just those resources run dry really, really fast. Mm. So Dave had contacted us being like, look, you know, we've investigated a bunch of times. We don't know what to do at this point. We don't have the resources to, to, you know, bring in the extra people. Can you guys look at this case for us? And we did. And, um, there were a lot of really weird things that happened in that house. And I think one of the strangest things was, the it's centered around a guy who 100% had real world issues. He, um, he struggled with addiction. I, I mean, there was definitely some mental health issues going on too. And, um, you know, I think if you looked at that at face value, you would just, you, I think a lot of people would write off what everyone in the house was saying as like, you just don't want to deal with what's really happening, mm -hmm. you know? Um, when we met him, he was 
not a, he seemed to have a lot of problems with um, being abusive. And so it was a really hard case to work on. And, you know, we did have a psychologist with us um, who gave him an MIPI and chatted with him and chatted with the people in the house, you Mm -hmm. know, because we always made sure that side was covered with paranormal state. And um, the woman of the house, his girlfriend, she said to us, she's like 2.45 in the morning, or was it 1.45? I'm getting my, it's been a while since I thought about this case. It was one of them, 145 or three, 245. Mm-hmm. She's like on the dot, things go wild in this house. And when somebody says that they're either lying or like some serious shit's going on, Yeah. you know? And so Heather and I actually took the night shift. We, we decided to stay over just us. And wouldn't you know it, 245, 145, whichever one it was on the dot, We started hearing footsteps upstairs in the attic. We started hearing like rustling in the hallway. Um, It was only us in the house, no one else, no skeleton crew. And we had walked downstairs. It was like really significant footsteps upstairs and bangings and stuff. And so we walked downstairs and um, I remember someone in production left the coffee pot on. So it was like burning, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, they left the coffee pot on. And, um, so as I'm going to do that, Heather and I are in in the kitchen and the basement door, like bangs, like somebody Mm -hmm. was on the other side trying to kick it open. I mean, that loud, that significant. And we like held each other and ran out of the room because I think our first instinct was it was a corner property and it was in a it was in a town so people had been coming by all day and like what are you guys doing what are you up to blah 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 and you know when you when you're working on a show there's a lot of expensive equipment and so i think our first instinct was oh my god somebody broke into the house mm. through the basement i mean that's how loud this was like i don't even think our first thought was supernatural and when we calmed down we checked everything was fine. Mm. No, like no one had broken in, you know, um, they did. We were kind of working two cases at the same time. So, um, I wasn't there for all of this, but they did like kind of like a light deliverance on the guy. And from my understanding, he went into this like hypnotic state and started talking in ways that he shouldn't know how to talk Mm. and he was very out of it. Um, he doesn't remember anything from when he went under and when Michelle went in there, something grabbed her coat and there were like multiple witnesses to this where her coat, like the, you know, the tail end of her coat, like levitated up. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that's one I think about a lot because I mean the, I know the family split up afterwards. I don't know how long afterwards. Um, and he did at some point end up going to jail, but, um, I don't know the outcome of it. I mean, you know, we kept in touch with people as long. I, I, I was in charge of that, keeping in touch with clients just to see how they're doing afterwards. But mm-hmm. after I left, you know, the organization, I don't really know what happened to a lot of people. Damn. Oh, yeah. Now I really want to go back and watch all these old shows now. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So as yeah. you're saying that a question that I often ask my fiance, Kristen is if you were sitting alone in the dark, what is 
the thing that freaks you out the most? Is it footsteps? Is it voices? Is it banging? Or is it something else? Hmm. I think... I would say voices out of those, but if we're doing something else, I would say if I saw something. Or see something, obviously. Yeah, yes, yeah. I think if I saw an anomaly, because when you see something manifest in front of you, it is the mm-hmm. strangest thing because it's not supposed to be there. Mm. And so like your mind does these mental gymnastics of like trying to piece it together and it can't. And it is one of the most bizarre, like weird mental games that ever happens to you. Is there a place where you can pick out that you've been to? You're like, if I want to see a manifestation, this is the place I would go to tonight. Um, well, I'd have to go back to the times I've seen one with, with the naked eye. And there was one in, let me see. It was right on the border of Ohio and Kentucky but I think it was that technically Bobby Mackey's? That's not Bobby no, Mackey. no, okay. it was a different, it was an old school and it was in, I, I think technically it's Kentucky. And we were, what's weird is I had a dream about the place before we went and I hadn't seen um, pictures or anything. And when we went in, it was like exactly like my dream. Mm. It was very weird. And when we were um, investigating the auditorium, we saw a shadow figure with our naked eye. Um, not I saw it twice with the naked eye. Nick saw it twice with the naked eye, and and we caught it on camera. Um, and the only thing I could possibly think of is if it was our cameraman somehow casting a shadow. But we, you know, we checked for that, and his shadow didn't cast there. So I, you know, you kind of just like do these things of like, what could it be? What could it be? Mm-hmm. There's got to be an explanation. Um, so that would be one. The other one would be uh, during my time on paranormal state, I saw a woman's arm form with the naked eye. Oof. And that was, um, what was that episode called? The glove is what it was called. Okay. And that house was very, very active. The family is 100% legit. Um, they also got MM, MM, MMPIs, you know, um, they talk to psychologists. I mean, complete legit, legit, wow. legit. Yeah. Wow. Have you ever had footsteps coming toward you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I don't think I'd be able to handle very well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Footsteps is one thing coming yeah. towards you and you can't see it. That's another, <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Yeah. It's a freak. It's a freaky thing, but what it's strange because what happens is you have this moment, like, again, like your brain is trying to make sense, like what is happening. So you almost have this thing of like, what, like you kind of freeze and you, you're trying to piece together what you're actually experiencing and your brain is trying to figure out, well, Hey, there's no one here mm-hmm. or that person's accounted for. No one else is here. Like, you know, you're just trying to piece it all together. And um, so it takes a couple seconds for it to kick in yeah. that this might be something, you know, your instinct takes over and it's like, hey, you, know, you might want to get out of here. Yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. <laughs> but I know you've mentioned Nick a few times. So obviously yeah. at some point your time at Paranormal State came to an end. You know, the show mm-hmm. came to an end. Yeah. A few years later, you got connected with Nick Roth. And yeah. I don't know if you're still keeping in touch with him or whatever, but mm-hmm. so he 
was part of ghost adventures and that's a show that i really got hooked on i still do watch it um i'm a sucker for this stuff i'll tell you that <laughs> but i like nick because you know zach and aaron a bit like they all seem like cool guys but sometimes can be somewhat dramatic nick kind mm-hmm. of seemed more level-headed which i appreciated um you know how did you connect get connected with him and how did that show get off the ground so it was from my understanding it was in two ways um I mean, one, when he was starting Paranormal Lockdown, he was looking for a female co-host. And I know my name had come up a couple of times when he was talking to people. Um, But I actually worked on Ghost Adventures for a little bit as uh, in locations. And so I had worked with Nick's cousin, Justin, who was an executive producer on Lockdown. And so I knew Justin a little bit. And so then Justin mentioned me to Nick. And so it was like this thing of my name just kept coming up, Okay, you know, so they reached out to me. And I mean, the first time we talked, it was like long lost friends. Mm. You know, it was just a really natural connection. We had a lot in common. Um, We had the same frustrations with, uh, you know, the the field, how it was being presented. And just, you know, we were very much aligned with what we wanted to do. And I always made fun of him because he never really told me I would be sleeping over at these locations. <laughs> it was like when my first talk with him, he's like, I'll sleep there, but you don't have to. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't sound too bad. you know. <laughs> and then I remembered the first investigation we went on at, at the time he was my boyfriend. I ended up marrying him. Um, but I remember telling him, I'm like, I actually don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I think I can go to the hotel. And then I get there. They're like, no, 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 you're sleeping here. I'm like, oh, oh. Man. <laughs> I haven't seen those episodes in a few years now because yeah. it's been a few years. But I remember a lot of them being awesome. Like you went to some yeah. really good location. I like the premise, too. You spent 72 hours. Was it straight there, too? Like. I do see these episodes and sometimes you guys capture like some great evidence. It's like, keep going, keep staying. Let's yeah. see what else you can get. You yeah. did in this. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I, there's definitely something to that. And I, we always kind of had a joke that the last night was always our most active. Mm. And, um, you know, we, I, I don't know if that's anything to do with us or the amount of time that we spend specifically. I think it's just when you're talking to people that have had experiences, they're not usually looking, you know, they're it's their house or it's their job. And they're like, I was just going about my day doing A, B and C. And then all of a sudden this happened. So what I liked about the um, kind of the, I don't know if you would call it, I guess you could call it experiment, the experiment of 72 hours of staying there and sleeping there and kind of living, breathing that space is that you're, all you're doing really is upping the probability of encountering something. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you kind of have to be the right place, the right time. And that's one of the frustrating things I think with shorter investigations is, you know, you do, you're like asking for a needle in a haystack, like, please, mm-hmm. please, please let this be the moment that something happens so I can document it. Right. And, you know, a lot goes, I mean, look, some of these locations are really expensive to book out. So you can only get them for a little bit of time. Um, I, I think one of the things I enjoy is just kind of going and checking out the stories and the history. So like example, when I'm with Heather, like we really only do one night investigations, mm-hmm. but that, you know, that's, that's a, 
that's the thing of we're not we're, we're being asked to go into these places hey can you come and check these things out so we're just checking out the story and just kind of like feeling the space or whatever it is um but lockdown was specifically an experiment to see well what happens if we don't do that mm. if you don't mind me asking how and why did that come to an end? I mean, I genuinely love that show. I thought it yeah. was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, from my understanding, it was just, I mean, we were going through a merger at the time. Mm. So discovery was merging with, um, scripts network, which okay. had travel channel and, uh, what was there? Oh, like food network and everything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as with all mergers, not everybody gets to come along, you know, unfortunately, um, so, you know, it was a shame. We were all really sad about that. Yeah. That's too bad. Um, yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. Is that Thank on you. the discovery plus or where, where can I watch those old shows? Yeah. Really so like it, they're still on discovery plus, okay, so you good. can go through and watch them. Um, and there's, I, I guess it's technically three seasons with one in the UK, but we were there. There's four. <laughs> it's just, it's just one is all UK based. Do you ever wish you can go overseas more? Because you know, yeah. obviously the history there is just ancient. I, yes. I wish I would see more episodes over on the Europe side or even Asia. Yeah. Oh my God. I would love it. Um, I, when we were on lockdown season two, we did two UK based episodes and then we did a whole season. I loved my time over there. Yeah. It was so special. And it's just like you said, like the history is like nothing that we, as far as buildings go, we don't have that here in America. And what's also interesting is um, I think because so many of those buildings are so old, when, when you're a child over there and you go on like a field trip to like a historic property, they just tell you about their ghost stories because it's like, it's whimsical and it's part of the lore, you know? So I found that for the most part, people we spoke to in the UK were way more open-minded mm. to the supernatural mm. and had no problem telling stories. Um, and I think that has to do with like, it's just sort of like embedded in their, in their history at this point. Yeah, for sure. I always have enjoyed the ones that are over in Europe, the history, I mean, like part of the reasons I love watching your show and our ghost adventures is like the first 15, 20 minutes is learning about the history. And I yeah. was like, damn, this shit happened. Some yeah. of it like, like a Penhurst. It was like, this was 30 years ago. This was yeah. in my lifetime. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And it's, it, that can really take a toll. Michelle and I were just talking about this. Um, it's, it's definitely a draining emotional toll this mm. work, um, which I guess maybe you want to expect looking at it from the outside of just like spooky fun, but it's, um, you know, since we do tie it to history at this point, all you hear about is tragedy. I mean, it's, it's never like, and then these people got married and lived happily ever after. Yeah. It's, it's like, no. And then, <laughs> and then like a horrible massacre happened and, you know, um, you're just constantly hearing about awful tragedy and how awful humans can be to each other. That's very, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get it once a week on discovery plus for an hour and yeah. that's it. We go back to our lives where you're yeah. actually at these locations over and over. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, so speaking of locations, like how are they chosen? So it depends. I mean, we definitely, as investigators, we have our wish list, you know, and then there's people that reach out to us. And hey, can you come here? Or we're having a problem. Can you check it out? Um, and then from there, it goes to what can we get cleared 
essentially, Mm -hmm. because there's places where maybe the schedule doesn't work for them or maybe uh, we can't afford them. That happens. Uh, Sometimes there's locations where they don't want to be attached to the stigma. So they won't allow us to come. One of the things that happened during COVID, which was interesting, is a lot of these locations that normally um, wouldn't let us in, either because of schedule or because their fees were too high for us, they then let us in Mm. because they didn't have the bookings that they normally had and they wanted the funding. So they would like work with us on price. Um, So it it was interesting to see that happen because there were some places that opened up. It's an interesting uh, perspective to hear about like the business behind the business, you know, like I'll let you come to my location that's haunted, but you got to pay me so much. And yeah, yeah, that's almost the unfortunate part. Like I, I wish you could just go to any location and be like, I just want to camp out here for the night and let's see what we right. get. But, yeah. Uh, and some places are cool. Um, you know, especially if it's, if you're just a group who mm-hmm. wants to do it, they'll work with you on budget. Um, but I mean, I don't blame them. Look, if somebody was coming to my house and it was a TV show, I'd be like, yeah, location fee, please. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's see that paper. Come on. Now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it also helps. Like I know with lockdown, uh, the one location we did, they, they told me about this. It was actually White Hill Mansion that the location fee we gave them, they were able to get a new roof. So, oh, wow. okay, yeah. Cool. So it, you know, it's a good thing because it, it helps with preservation. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So after paranormal lockdown, you got linked up with Jack Osborne, which mm-hmm. is your current show. First yeah. and foremost, I, I didn't know anything about Jack Osborne. I mean, I know his parents, yeah. but, uh, I didn't know anything about him until this TV show. I was like, he's like, he seems like a really likable guy, like really yeah. down to earth, level-headed, somewhat of a skeptic, it seems. Yes. And, uh, like I say, some of the other shows I watch can be a little dramatic. He just kind of like, it's just kind of in there and it's like, let's go with it. Let's just yeah. kind of wing it. Let's see what we can get. And I kind of appreciate that. How in the world did you get linked up with him? Yeah, that was a weird one too. That was a random cold email I got one day um, where they were just like, Hey, you know, Jack would like to work with you. Can, can like we talk. And so Jack and I ended up meeting up in New York one day. He was like out there um, and we met for breakfast and we ended up talking for like hours just about our thoughts our frustrations our theories our you know what we wanted to do with the time um that was allowed to us if we like work together and i i was like you i didn't really know anything about jack you know mm-hmm. obviously like you know the who the osbornes are right mm-hmm. but um as a person i didn't know him and i was pleasantly surprised with how down to earth he was and just how skeptical he was and that he really, he really does have a vested interest in this as far as like he, he has had experiences and he does want to know what this stuff is. And he, mm. he thinks it's fun, you know? So it was a thing of, you know, I'm glad it comes across that we're not like dramatic, doing dramatics for television or anything because we're not. Um, and that was something that we talked about. Like that was a frustration for us. And, you know, I'm, I'm very clear about who I am and you know what i will do what i won't do and um you know so we were very much in line aligned with that as well and it just sort of it just sort of made sense to work together at that point i've really enjoyed all the seasons so far and we're in the middle of season three so anybody listen to this go check it out every episode so far has been three of them i believe at the time of this recording has been released um 
And what the hell, man? Like I saw that shadow <laughs> figure in the, not this one, but the last, the one that came out last week, the shadow yeah. figure when Jack is in the, like, are you serious? How do you not, <laughs> how do you not just freak out when you see something like that is creepy? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just, we're probably desensitized a little bit at this point too. It's, it's like, you know, you kind of, I, I think you kind of have to, to survive through the weirdness of your life a little bit, but, um, yeah, no, we go to some freaky places this season. Um, really cool places. We had a really enthusiastic producer who, uh, is very much into the paranormal. (laughs) And what's funny is he lived in like all these different States. So he just remembered all these places that were like off the beaten path. And he's like, I know this place. Let me see if we can get in there. And, you know, he would get us in there. So we got to go to some places that um, haven't really been done in a in a national way like that before. Is everything kind of um, fair game as far as like the U.S.? Or are you limited to a specific area? No, we can. I, it's really, you know, whatever. Uh, I think it really comes down to location. Yeah. As far as can we get in there? <laughs> or yeah. Do they want us? Uh, because, you know, I'm trying to think with portals. I don't really think we have a lot of restrictions. We've gone pretty zigzaggy over the United States. Like on Paranormal State, for example, for us to go West Coast, we had to mm-hmm. do two episodes out there. Okay, exempt. For a budget. I get it. You know, um, lockdown, I'm trying to think if it mattered. I don't know if it mattered on lockdown. I mean, obviously in the UK, it mattered when yeah. we, in season two, we had to do two locations out there to justify going out. And I remember Portals to Hell started off with Alaska. I was like, oh, yes, yes, Alaska. All right. I like that. Yes. That was our first investigation together, me and Jack. And yeah, that took me 22 hours to get to. From where you were currently, like what, for the Philly airport? Yeah. 22 hours. I was on like three connections. It was insane. I was so tired on it. Did, you get, I finally got did you get to do anything else in Alaska or is it no. just like go go? I, no. I slept. Any of my downtime, I just chilled and slept. <laughs> and I remember Jack was like, I'm gonna go hiking and see these amazing natural like waterfalls. And he's like, Do you want to come? I'm like, I am so tired. <laughs> I believe <laughs> Which, it. Yeah. I believe it. You guys are up on like doing one of those. Like, I'm done for the next week. Forget it. Yeah. Yep. Um Katrina, it's been awesome. I, I got some more rapid fire questions if you want okay, to uh, yeah, you want to roll with some of these. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't have to be rapid. Take as long as you want. I know I've taken okay. a lot of time so all far. Right. So pressure's off. All right. Okay. So you said wish list. Mm. Let's hear maybe some more locations that are on your wish list that you haven't touched yet. Hawaii, because it's beautiful out there. And mm-hmm. uh, I am really tired of being in cold <laughs> locations with no bathrooms or electricity. So like, please take, if there's no electricity or bathroom, take me somewhere warm at least, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> please. That makes sense. Um, and I think anywhere in Europe, as far as like castles and mm-hmm. just because I grew up where Disney kind <laughs> of got into my brain that... <laughs> So it happens to a lot of us. And a princess, yeah. That's that's what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. So maybe top few locations that you've ever been to that come to mind that are the most haunted? Um, Trans Allegheny, Mm -hmm. 30 East Drive, um, the Glove episode that's a private home. Um, 
always get these two prisons mixed up. Oh, shoot. What's the other one? There's Shepton Mallet, but the other one. It's not the East State Penitentiary, is it? No, no, no. We did one. It was another one in England that I did for lockdown. Okay. I always get the names mixed up. The other prison that I did in England. Yeah. In England. Yeah. That one was crazy. Um, but Shepton Mallet also is very haunted. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, let me see if I can get another one. Well, that's five. Hinsdale House, actually, in New York is very haunted, too. Okay. That's a very uh-huh. weird place. Would you recommend somebody who's like getting that wants to get started in this, like to go to those locations or not? Nah, you got to be a little um, more ready for that. I think. I think it's such a personal choice, like, and it really depends on where you're at with your own journey, mm-hmm. as far as the stuff goes. Um, I have, so for example, I've met people that have gone to Bobby Mackey's and they swear on their life they will never step foot in there ever again. That was going to be my next question. Oh, what really? Th- what are your thoughts on Bobby Mackey's? Yeah, so Bobby Mackey's is funny. Um, first off, I mean, Bobby's amazing. You know, and he really just wants to have a great place where he can perform and other musicians can come. And he's never really had an experience, you know, (laughs) which is interesting. Um, But I personally, when I've been there twice and I have not had what they call the Bobby Mackey experience, you know, which is something horrible happens to you where you get like thrown up against the wall by a demon or, or anything like that. I haven't had that. But I've met so many credible people that have had these really awful experiences there. And there's a lot of people I've met who feel like it followed them home. Mm. And what was interesting when I went with Jack, we kind of did this roundtable thing. And there were some people that knew each other, other people who did not know each other. So they didn't know of each other's experiences. And when we were talking to them, it was interesting to see how, I mean, there was so much overlap between strangers you know, and it, it, it's on par for what I've always heard about Bobby Mackey's. Wow. And, you know, maybe you could say skeptically, well, they knew of the stories. I mean, maybe that's a fair point to make. But um, again, I go back to there's so many credible people I've met who like really, really swear by their experiences and have like clearly been shaken up by it. What I had happened, and I'd, I'm not saying this is supernatural, but it's an interesting coincidence is uh three days after we left bobby mackey's when i worked with jack um i ended up in the er i it was like the dumbest thing i was just working out at home and i was jumping and i landed on a dog toy (laughs) and i rolled my ankle really bad but i heard it crack so i thought i had broken it and um so i went to the er And when I got home, I had this message waiting from a friend of mine who is a psychic. And um, I mean, we're friends as in like, we know each other. We're always friendly, but we don't really know each other. It's like we've met a couple of times. And he messaged me and said to the effect of like, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to be careful. I, I like had this flash of you and I knew I needed to reach out to you. And like something followed you home. I feel like something is with you. And it's not good. And what's interesting is when he messaged me was like the exact time when like my accident happened. It was like Mm -hmm. a few minutes after, like 10 minutes after my accident. And so I had messaged Jack and I was like, Hey dude, like, did anything weird happen to you today? And he was like, no, everything's good. And then he messaged me a couple hours later. He's like, actually I ended up in the ER today. (laughs) And what had happened was his daughter had fell 
and she needed stitches. Mm. And a psychic had also emailed him somebody that he had met a couple times, but they don't really know each other. And she essentially said the same thing that my friend said to me, like, you need to be careful. I don't know what you're doing, but something followed you home. Well, I do remember that was added onto the episode (laughs) at the very last few minutes. That is probably one of the main reasons I would be nervous to go paranormal investigating is not the fear of what would happen to me there, but it's the fear of something coming home with me. Is that something you've ever experienced? Yeah, there was um, one time on Paranormal State, we were doing the, um, it was the IM6 case and we did, we visited that place twice. Hmm. And um, so the first time I was asked to step out, I was still in the location, like in the area with the team. I wasn't in the house though. The second time we were actually working on a case in Kentucky completely separate case. And Laura's mom had called us like in the middle of the night and she said, things were getting really bad. Is there any way we would cook? We could come. And it just so happened we were only five hours away from her house. So we packed up at the case that we were at and we drove like all night to get to them. And just a funny aside, I was, I was in the car with chip coffee and the, the, uh, Oh, what is, I think he's a bishop technically. Okay. Uh, and the bishop we were working with and um, they, they were, uh, it was very surreal. It was like three in the morning. I'm driving these guys to like Illinois and the song like celebration comes on, but they're changing the words to masturbation. And, <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta then, do to stay awake at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, you know, like, uh, we, we walked into a bar at some point because we had to use the bathroom. And I, I was like, this is such a surreal experience for me, like a paranormal investigator, a psychic and a bishop walk into a bar. You know? <laughs> That's <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. But we, you know, we got there, we did our work and it was shortly after. Never forget this. I was I was living in a townhouse at the time, with two roommates, and um, it was the first time in my life I had the realization that I was comfortable in my house because there were things that I do that I wasn't aware that I did to make me feel like distracted, Hmm. you know? Um, so I would sing to myself a lot. I would kind of rush out of a room and flip on the, the light switch. I would sleep with the television on. And, um, I noticed when I moved into this place, I stopped doing all of that. And I kind of had this, realization of, you know, I wonder if I do that because I have slightly felt uncomfortable in like every place I've lived in, you know, stemming from my childhood homes of like, you know, just feeling like you're never really alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, sorry, I just got distracted. There's a giant bug in my room. Creepy water bug. That's a cool um, room there, by the way. I like oh, your little backdrop. You. Absolutely. You. Yeah. I have my, uh, let me see if I can show you heart and Madonna records up there. That is, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Super um, cool. and, uh, so those things stopped, but there was a night where I was, I walked downstairs. It was like two or three in the morning into the kitchen. And there was this overwhelming sense of somebody watching me to the point where I went to check the doors, the windows. And I was like convinced there was like a stalker outside. It was, it was so overwhelming instinct just took over of like, you are not alone girl, you know, checked everything. I didn't see anybody outside. All the doors were locked. Windows were locked. Both roommates were asleep. And 
from there, things started happening in that house. And it was, again, nothing bad, nothing where it would be like, you're in danger. But it was enough where I noticed I started doing all those things again, mm. those little distractions. And then it, it finally, the, the end that happened, the last significant thing I remember happening was I was alone in my bedroom trying to go to sleep. I was not asleep. It's just like when you lie down and you're like, okay, I'm going to like go to bed. And I heard heavy breathing in my left ear. Oof. And I remember during that time, I did talk to the team about it. I'm like, you know, I'm having this stuff happen. I don't know if it's supernatural, but I can't find an explanation for it. And uh, the consensus was, well, maybe something followed you home from that case. And so um, the advice I had at the time was ignore it and it will go away. And so the experiences lasted from like two to four months and then just went and stopped. Wow. For me, that's way mm -hmm. too long. Two to four days is way too long for me to ignore that. I'm like yeah. sage and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Again, it was nothing like terrible. It was just uncomfortable. And it was just like little things that Ugh. I, I don't even know that you would notice unless, I mean, you would notice, but I think they were things that were easy to blame on other people. But I just knew from doing this work to kind of, Hey, maybe this is something I want to pay attention to. Yeah, man, I'd you be know? nervous to take a shower or go to sleep. Yeah, Ugh. oh yeah, no, I was. That's why I, I was always singing to myself. <laughs> Oof. Oof. All right, well, let's keep rolling here with some of these yeah, other questions. Cool. This is super interesting stuff. I'm loving <laughs> this. Um, what location, if you had to investigate tonight, which maybe you do, I don't know, <laughs> what location would you go back to in a heartbeat? In a heartbeat. Yeah. Mm. I would say you're asking me today. It probably changes depending on the day you ask me, but mm -hmm. I really want to go back to the UK. So I would say somewhere in the UK. Like um, let's see. That was one of my favorites over there. Uh, oh, you know, what was a cool place. We got to live in this place for a couple of days in Wales. What is the name of that place? It's in a park. Um, Sorry, sometimes the names like escape me because oh, so. I've just been so many places that I just, you know, unless I'm looking at a list in front of me, I can't remember. But we we went to this really amazing. Um, it's not a castle, but it was like a manor house. So like to us in America, it looks like a castle. Right. And I got to sleep in an old abbey that was like. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just the walls now. The roof is gone and everything. But I, I remember going to bed and I was like, my life is so strange. I'm like, I'm like, I'm literally falling asleep in this like thousand year old building in the middle of Wales. And like, how weird is this? But it was also like a really magical moment because how, I mean, when in life do you get to do that? Do you actually really get to sleep when you're doing that? I mean, I don't know that it it's the same level of sleep you would get in your nice cozy bed at home. Right. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but it's some sort of variation of sleep. Um, but funny one of that, about that episode, when I slept in, so we would have security. Uh, I think very early on, we realized we needed security when we did this because it was me and Nick sleeping over. Yeah. Like, God forbid somebody break in yeah. and something happens, you know. So we did have security, but security was like one guy in a car. 
that would just sort of like walk the premises once every hour and a half. And I remember when I, it was like a thing of like, okay, I'm going to sleep in the Abbey, but where the location is, it's a park. And like, yes, parks close down after sunset, but I don't know about you, but I was a kid that didn't necessarily follow those rules, you know? So I'm like, anybody could be in this park. And like, yeah. what am I armed with? A camera and a sleeping bag. <laughs> like, I'm not going to fare well if anything happens. And I mean, not just human, but even like animal. Mm, yeah, like, true. what the hell would I do? That's true. And so, um, you know, I did wait. I remember waking up to hearing and we had because we were filming, they tried to close down the park as much as they could. I mean, definitely at night, you know, mm -hmm. it was closed down. But during the day when we were doing interviews and everything, it was like the park is huge. So, you know, definitely people got onto the park. But um, I remember I woke up to hearing like footsteps on gravel. Oof. And it was one of those things of I'm like, where am I? You know, and then I like peeked out from my from my sleeping bag and I see this guy and he's taking a picture of me. What? <laughs> he's just like taking a picture of me and I'm like, ah, uh, and he's like, Hey, and then he like walks away. So somewhere in Wales, somebody has this picture of me in my sleeping bag in the Abbey. Um, oh, just like wow. waking up, but yeah, it was really freaky because Thankfully, that's all it was. Yes, exactly. Because wow. I mean, yeah, can you imagine? I mean, I think back to lockdown, I'm like, wow, we were really lucky that nothing happened to us because there was going back to that Kentucky school. We had, I don't know if they kept it in the episode, but Nick was sleeping on the stage one night and we have on camera like raccoons walking by him mm. Mm. as he's sleeping. I'm like, can you imagine if one of them got curious about him? Oh my God. Yeah. Oof. Wow, yeah. I never, I, yeah, I never thought about that. This is why I love going behind the scenes with you. Oh yeah, it's well, and that's the thing I don't know that translates at home is that you know, yes, the supernatural part is scary, and depending on who you talk to, maybe dangerous. But um, I think it's the elements we're up against in some of these buildings is mm -hmm. more of a threat than you know i mean like i've sprained my ankles in these buildings i've fallen downstairs i've gotten oh. bloody noses i've gotten sick i've you know well thank you for doing it for my entertainment yeah no no worries <laughs> happy to serve <laughs> another question i have for you is what is your favorite piece of technology to use when you go to these locations so i'm a bit old school um because the thing is with equipment that I, I think kind of gets lost in context is that there's no piece of equipment that can tell you there's a ghost, right? Because if we had that, then ghosts wouldn't be under the paranormal heading. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the pieces of equipment are designed to back up our experiences. Mm. So when somebody is saying, hey, I feel cold when a supernatural experience happens. OK, how can we test that? We can't quantify whatever this stuff is yet, but maybe we can back up and document our subjective experiences in some way. So that's really where a lot of the equipment comes into play. If, if we're hearing footsteps, okay, can we get a vibration on that? Is there vibration on the floor that we can measure? Um, where you see EMF come into play is that uh, there's some people that are very sensitive to EMF and like, right. So we emit EMF, humans mm -hmm. emit EMF, our television emits EMF. Some people are sensitive to that. So they can pick up on high levels of EMF and they feel it physically. 
Um, so there's times in investigations where we use EMF meters to rule that out as a natural explanation. If there's something going on in the wiring of the house, if they live near, uh, you know, certain wires that could cause, you know, odd EMF spikes in their home. Um, because we do know that EMF, natural EMF sometimes causes people to think they're having a paranormal experience. So we use them to rule things out. The flip side of it is that people have noticed true, what they deem true paranormal experiences happening around EMF spikes. Mm -hmm. So then it becomes a thing of whatever these things are, do they cause an EMF spike? So we also use them to try and see, okay, maybe that's a way that this can communicate. Maybe this Mm -hmm. is a way we can get a call and response. Um, So the the equipment is all trial and error at this point. So I am very old school where I just like a camera and a recorder, you know, just to to document things. Um, That's kind of my goal. Do you keep your EVPs or any of your like best findings? Do you have them? Yeah, um, somewhere. I I think that's, (laughs) I know that sounds kind of funny, but it's one of the most daunting things about being an investigator is going through audio. Yeah. It's like everybody's most hated chore. And so I have the recordings. I just, when I get home, I dump them onto my computer, put them in a file that's literally labeled audio to go through that <laughs> has just been sitting there for years. And I'm like, I'll go through it one day. Um, you know, uh, w- one of the benefits of working on the show is that we'll play them back in real time. Mm-hmm. So that way we have them and we know what happened and we're able, okay, was that explainable or not? But like the eight hour recordings that I have, like I, one day I'll get the strength to go through them. You just get away for a software to come out if it's not already. That'll, that'll find it for you. So yes. it takes like five minutes of your time yes. instead of yeah. eight Or I hours. just need like an apprentice or something. <laughs> like this is I'll your chore. You. Yeah, shit, I'll go through that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I'll listen to some of this and be like, did you hear this? Is that your name? That is crazy. Um, now on these shows, a lot of times you, you hear like, you see like some of the, do you feel that? Do you feel the temperature change? Yes, That's something yeah. that you do feel often. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the biggest criticisms the shows get of like, you guys are just talking about your feelings and I totally get it. And I, I don't disagree with the criticism, but I also think it's maybe not understood about what the shows are about. So at least the shows I have worked on, you're seeing an investigation unfold, right? So you're seeing our experiences as they happen to us. And sometimes our experiences, you know, it's called tagging. You tag what you're feeling you tag if you get a thought. And it doesn't always mean that that's supernatural. It doesn't always mean that's going to end up being something. But if you're on a real investigation, that's what you do because it might be something. And you want to you want to be able to document those things because even okay, say I walked into the kitchen and I'm like, I'm getting this crazy headache. Okay, maybe that's not supernatural, but maybe we come to find that every single person that walks into the to the kitchen has a headache and maybe there's a gas leak or maybe there's nothing to explain it. But we find 20 other people feel the same way when they walk Mm -hmm. into that kitchen. Okay, then that's something really interesting. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it is part of being an investigator is to be really in tune 
with your body and your senses and what you feel and not being afraid to call it out because you do feel stupid. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, you feel so dumb when you're saying that stuff, but, um, it's really just, you have to get over that. And, um, the other part of it is when you talk to witnesses so many times, they'll say, I felt this, I felt that. And then this happened. Mm. So it is important to pay attention to that. And, also, you know, when we're looking at equipment, I go back to the equipment is there to back up our subjective experiences. It's the same thing. What subjective experiences can we back up? Is there a better, better piece of equipment that can do that next time? You know, so it is important to call out what you feel. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, I guess to, to add another question onto that is what's what's the best piece of evidence that you believe you've ever captured? That would have to be, I think, on lockdown. Um, what's really interesting about lockdown is, uh, Rob Zaffi, who was the, I mean, God, he wore so many hats. He is a, he is a freaking paranormal rock star. As far as I'm concerned, um, he's not an investigator honorary. I always say he's an honorary one, but he's, I mean, he's a camera guy. He's a film guy. He's a DP, a showrunner, a producer. Um, and, um, he, brought on his camera and he worked with the company to change the sensors on it for purely cinematic reasons. He wanted the show to look and feel different than any other shows. And so they changed the sensor on his camera. And um, we caught, I can think of off the top of my head, five different anomalies that were seen through his camera. Wow. And not through our cameras, meaning our security cameras, our handheld cameras, never picked it up, but his camera did. Mm. And um, what I find really interesting about that is it's it's something that we talk about in the field a lot is that we just don't have the right equipment or that we're looking at things the wrong way. Meaning as cameras get better, as audio gets better, they're more attuned for our senses, you know? And so there's spectrums that are being left out. Mm -hmm. There's frequencies that are being left out. And what if that's where, what if in those spaces, that's where these things live? You know, maybe that's how we detect them. Um, because I do find it so fascinating that, I mean, there was one I, I think of specifically where we saw like this figure kind of step out and there was a security camera right on it. Security camera didn't pick it up, but Rob's camera did, mm. you know? Um, so I always kind of think it's funny when people are like, if this stuff is real, how come you haven't caught it on camera? How come we don't have this? How come we don't have that? And it's like, well, we don't know how to measure this yet. You know, we, we really don't know. It's, it's just try. And that's the thing I keep reminding people it's trial and error at this point, you know, and it's not to say that every experience is supernatural. We know that for sure mm -hmm. that a lot of these can be explained away, but there's still a subset of things that don't seem to have an explanation right now. You know, it, and that's it, where we work. That's it reminds where, yeah. me, I was gonna say, it reminds me of like, I remember like back in school, science class, where you have like all these different wavelengths. There's like, you got the normal light or whatever, you got like UV, gamma, yeah. all that stuff. So it's like, I, I actually kind of like, completely understand what you're saying. And I'm definitely open-minded to that. And like, yeah. um, you know, you see people use a spirit box and there's like the white noise. So perhaps they can use different wavelengths to kind of communicate and talk to, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to it, I think for sure. And, um, you know, it's just, again, it's just inching closer to getting the right way to be able to measure it. I think. 
And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Do you yeah. believe in portals? And if so, <laughs> what do you believe a portal is? You know, I portals are, it's a funny word. And it's, it's interesting because Jack and I are always, we actually like roll our eyes at, at this point, you know, where we're like, oh, we got to ask the question. Is it a I portal? Know what the, I actually appreciate <laughs> you still do it because it's like, it is named the show. Yeah. So I do appreciate that you kind of haven't forgot that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's so I think it depends on how you are defining a portal. Mm -hmm. So when we talk to people, witnesses, when they label something a portal, it's normally a place where a significant amount of unexplainable activity occurs. Okay. Now, does that mean that there's actually an opening? I have no idea most of the time, mm -hmm. because, again, they're, they're basing it off of there's a spike of activity in this location. So it's got to be an opening. Well, we don't, we don't know that, yeah. you know, what we know is that you're saying there's a spike of activity in this area. Doesn't mean there's an opening there mm -hmm. and portals in and of itself. I mean, kind of like everything in the supernatural realm, it's just an idea. It's an idea that there can be some sort of thinning of the veil, if you want to call it that, the two worlds, whatever mm -hmm. it is, where things can move about. You know, um, much like, um, oh God, what am I think? What am I, what's the word for Star Trek when they teleport? Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So something can like teleport from one place to the other wormhole, whatever. Um, so do I think it's a possibility? Sure. Um, but I am also very aware of when people call something a portal, what they actually mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I watched yeah. I watched an episode last night with you and Jack when you were in Denver in one of the mansions where you actually said you do believe there was a portal there. That was an yeah. awesome episode, by the way. That huge, huge like orange mansion. I forget what it was called, but uh, yeah, awesome uh, episode. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, well, and one of the places I I do think some really weird shits going down is um, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. Arizona. Is it Arizona uh, or is that Utah? No, Utah. You in a basin. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, we've spoke when Jack and I went there for season two and we spoke to so many people and he knows the one guy that runs the bed and breakfast we stayed at. And I mean, obviously like I've heard of the place for years and <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people that have been there or know of people who have had experiences and the type of experiences they have out there are just really bizarre. Yeah. Like it otherworldly. It seems like when you get Native American stuff involved, sometimes it gets a little kind of crazy from at least from the shows I've seen. I don't know if you've had that experience. But. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's, you know, the if there was something at the land to begin with, if it's the culture that was there before we were, if it's, you know, it's hard to say. But um, there is something very strange about uh, the area where um, Skinwalker ranch lives and it almost kind of reminds me of like do you ever see like the mist stephen king where it's like the government opened up some sort of wormhole and then like all these creatures that. oh man it's a traumatizing <laughs> movie i'm gonna warn you i had nightmares about it for okay. years well, i can't wait to watch uh, that now yeah don't watch it unless you want to be like really messed up in the head afterwards <laughs> um but uh it kind of reminds me of that like just like i don't know so something's going on out there that's the place i'd like to go back to Okay. So well, spend some significant time out there. Yeah. I feel like I honestly I can talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. I will say you're welcome back anytime. Oh, but thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll bring it back to do you feel 
like your mission is somewhat accomplished? Do you feel like you're still on your mission from your experiences when you were a kid? Or do you feel like you've made an impact in the paranormal community? Like, how do you feel about that? Um, I think my initial thought for getting into the field has changed so dramatically mm. that I don't even know that it's about I don't even think it's the same mission anymore because I think when I started, it was very much a thing of like, I know ghosts are real. And it's, I, you know, again, my my perspective has shifted dramatically because of the work I've done. And I know strange things happen, but I don't really know what they are, you know. And so where I'm at with it right now is I think my goal is just to continue being an advocate for people that have experiences and don't know where to go and mm. kind of feel ostracized from those experiences. Um, and also to investigate the stories, document the stories, preserve them, investigate the claims, try to figure out, is there an answer? Is there not? And I don't really care what the answer is. And I think that's the big difference is before I used to care. I don't care anymore because I yeah. don't think that's what I either, whichever side we land on, I think what's more important is that, you know, we know people have these experiences and I don't know that there's ever really been serious, like a serious look at it besides those in the field. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of think it's funny that for, you know, hundreds of years at this point, people all over the world from what every types of person, every type of person, you know, have come forward saying that they have these experiences and people are so willing to write them off. Mm. I'm like, that's strange to me because like if for hundreds of years, people are like, you know what? I get headaches when I'm around carbon monoxide. Like, I don't know. Like, why? <laughs> it's just like, shouldn't we look into this? I just find it strange that it's it's blown off so much. Um, and even if it even if it ends up being psychological, I don't know. Maybe we all have tumors. You know, shouldn't shouldn't we know? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think we should know. So th that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't to me. Like, even if it ends up being explainable, that's that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, you know? it's, a, it's amazing how much, you know, growing up the religion that you're kind of brought up into what your parents believe, all that stuff plays a huge part into what you believe growing up. And like you said, your parents seem kind of somewhat open-minded, but let's just yeah. say if your parents weren't, you might not even be doing this right now. It would no. be made up your mind. Ghosts do not exist. This is just something I can't explain. Right. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. And I think that's kind of where you see the, uh, the line between skeptics believers mm -hmm. is it's the terminology yeah that's the thing that trips people up because we're so married to the stuff being that terminology but what i what i always say to people i'm like it might not be mm. and that that's the thing we need to open ourselves up to is we're using the best terms and definitions we have right because again it's not proven and it's you know we're working off of the best information we have today which i will admit is not the greatest information you know but it's it's kind of the thing of like the more you learn the better you can do mm -hmm. so um you know i think that's that's an important part of being in the field is just trying to move that forward 
man, I would love to one of these days just grab a beer with you, sit by the campfire, yeah. and just just chat away and get oh, more yeah. of these stories. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I do love me the South, so I'm gonna have to come down. down. Come I know. on I, down. I it love is it. On me, beers on me. <laughs> uh, I got questions for days, but uh, it seems like you know my my podcast is the pursuit of happiness, and mm. it also seems like you are pursuing your passion. It almost seems like you're pursuing what your life's calling and you kind of figure that out early. Not a lot mm. of us can say that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's entertainment for me and for everybody else watching this, but in all honesty, like I do find such an interest in this. I am thankful for you and others like you to put research into this and do some investigations into this. And it is the question that we all have about life is what happens after. And it's something that we all wonder, but do we really want to know? I, I, I don't know. You do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I just want to know. I want to know what these experiences are. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's not the afterlife. Maybe it is. Maybe it's Maybe a little it bit is. of column A, column B. No idea. But it's kind of fun to go on the journey to find out. Until then, we will continue to keep watching your investigations. And as we wrap up here, I would love to give people uh, an idea of where to find you and where to watch you. And also your new show you just said is coming out on YouTube. Yeah. So uh, all over social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, at Katrina Weidman. My last name is spelled WeID Man. Easy way because everybody gets it wrong, and <laughs> it took me like twenty some years to figure that one out. Oh, we ID man, uh, I we like ID that. man, yeah. There like you when you go to a bar or something, they're like, "Hey, we ID man." <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and um, so social media portals to hell season three is airing right now on. Uh, it airs on Travel Channel on Saturday nights, and it also is available for streaming Saturday um, during the day on Discovery Plus, and that is with the fabulous Jack Osborne that I work with. And uh, then I uh, I do have, I call it an investigative journey, not really a show. It's um, with me and my best friend, Heather Taddy, who we worked on Paranormal State together. And these are like the private cases that we do all the time. Um, this is kind of like a little peek behind the curtain of what it's like to be an investigator. And that is called Travel the Dead. And so the location is broken into five different videos. So it's one video per week right now. Um, and they're about like 10 to 15 minutes each. And uh, this, I don't, when is this going to air, Ryan? Um, I'd say within the next week. So oh, sooner okay. than later. Yeah. Okay. I got to get um, this out there. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Wednesdays will be the new videos for that. That's awesome. So you do, yeah. you do investigating that is necessarily on camera on a TV show. Yeah. So, and that's kind of, that's part of where like travel the dead came into play because we were doing this stuff anyway. Like we've always taken on private cases, not awesome. as much as we would like to, because again, resources funding. And it's just, when you do this 25 weeks out of the year on the road, you, you do get burnout, yeah. you know? So, um, you do need to have a little bit of self care when it comes to that. But, uh, when, you know, we were, we were like, oh, we should just like really kind of, not that we weren't documenting that stuff, but we were like, maybe we should put it out to show people what it's like, really like to be an investigator, like that That's side a great of it, idea. you know? Idea. And, um, then when the pandemic hit, it was like, well, yeah, like everything's closed down. People are still asking us to come. Like, we're not doing anything. Like, why don't we just document it and put it out? 
So awesome. Awesome. Cannot yeah. wait. I will, I will go ahead and link that YouTube channel. Cool. Into the yeah. show notes thank as well. you. Thank Absolutely. You. No, thank you. Honestly, Katrina has been a pleasure. I am so glad we can make this happen. I know. Me too. It's been a while in the making. That is awesome. I'm glad I reached out. Like I said, I was geeking out when I first started yeah. this. I was like, when I started this podcast, it was like, I really wanted to talk to to you. And because I've been watching you on TV for years. And it's like, I want to pick your brain. I want to ask you all these questions. And I finally got to today. I'm so happy we can make this happen. Me I'm sure people can people are gonna listen to this and be like, this is insane. So <laughs> like I said, anytime and drinks on me, come on down to cool. North Carolina. So all right. I like Katrina, it. it's been a it's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. As always, a special thank you to Katrina for joining me on this episode. I know she has a super busy schedule. She's always traveling, but I really appreciate it. And I appreciate her being so fun and down to earth to talk to. And as I said in the intro, this is one of the most fun conversations I've ever had. So Katrina, thank you so much. You know you're welcome back anytime that you want. And thank you everybody for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Please share this with your friends, with your family, leave a review and a rating and subscribe because we have so much more good information and great content coming your way. So stay tuned for that. So once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast, and I'll catch you next time.